Welcome to All Sides with Anna Staver. We all pay taxes, sales tax, income tax, property taxes. It's how we pay for roads, police, firefighters, even schools. But how much we pay and what combination of taxes is the best for families, for economic growth, that's a controversial topic. And it's one that's returned to Ohio's legislature. Republicans in the House and Senate want to eliminate the state income tax, saying it would bring business and revenue to Ohio and maybe even a congressional seat. Democrats say it could increase taxes on the poor and require big cuts to services like education. We're talking taxes this hour, and joining me now to explain the Republican proposals is Senator George Lang. Welcome to All Sides. Anna, thanks for having me. Great to be here on this glorious day. <laughs> Lovely rainy day in Ohio. <laughs> Let's start with the basics. So not every Ohioan pays state income tax, right? That is correct. If your income is 26000 and under, you do not pay it. Uh, 26000 to 100000 you're currently paying 2.75. Anything over that, you're at 3.5%. And that money adds up to about 10, 11-ish billion dollars that the state collects. But Republicans like yourself want to change that. And I've covered a couple of state budgets now, and each one has eliminated at least one tax bracket, sometimes two. Um, so it's gone from about five and a half percent at that top back bracket a decade ago, now down to 3.75. So why is that not far enough? You know, it wasn't too long ago that top bracket was actually 9.5%, and there were nine brackets. The reason it's not far enough is we are competing with every other state in America for economic development, to bring jobs and to bring prosperity so business can flourish and our citizens can prosper. And what we have discovered, every time we have reduced the income tax, more and more businesses are coming back to Ohio. And Ohio hasn't been in a growth pattern compared to the rest of the country since 1940. So it's important for our citizens and for all of our students at Ohio State University that they have a future, that all their dreams, their desires, and their goals can be met in the state of Ohio. So you want to get there by 2030. That's the goal. Um and the House has introduced a similar bill. It has a slightly different timeline. So I guess first, why not introduce the same plan in both chambers? And can you kind of walk us through how we get there differently? Yeah, you know, and the ultimate goal is to get to zero in 2030. Uh, how we get there, I think both the sponsors in the House and myself and Senator Huffman, Steve Huffman, the sponsor in the Senate, we're, we're really agnostic as to which path we take. So the purpose of introducing this bill and this General Assembly, knowing uh, after the primary and uh, with the capital budget and with elections, you know, we don't have a lot of time to work, is just to get it introduced to have the conversation. And I think in the next General Assembly, you will see, based on the feedback that we get, both the House and the Senate version looking exactly the same. Yeah, and so it sounds like the goal then is to put it into the budget that we pass in June of 2025. Uh, that would be ideal, but we don't necessarily have a specific goal set. You know, we want to make sure we have time for uh, both opponents and proponents to uh, to share their wisdom with us and for us to listen to uh, everybody's uh, celebrations regarding this bill as well as their concerns. And you're taking the show on the road, right? Yeah, we actually have... Uh, two town halls tomorrow, 
uh, down in southwest Ohio, and we've already had one previously. So we, we plan on taking this message throughout the state. How do we find out where these town halls are if we want to come tell you why we like it or why we hate it? You know what? Uh, the one There's one tomorrow, uh, 5 o'clock in Lebanon. I don't have the exact location, and 8 o'clock in Cincinnati, and I will text you the exact locations uh, later this afternoon. And I'm sure you can also reach out to your office, to Senator Lang's office. It's easy to get a hold of them uh, and get the... I'm sure your staff can give them the details if they email. That's correct. So you said during the press conference announcing this that you want to get there by 2030. And you had another goal that I want you to repeat here just so we can circle back in 2030, which is you want to add a congressional seat as a result. Yeah, more than that. And let me give you a brief history as to why that is so important. In 1970, Ohio was rocking and rolling. We're making automobiles, tires. We're the land of aerospace, consumer goods, cash registers. We are rocking and rolling. In 1970, the Ohio economy was the 12th largest economy in the world. In 1970, the average Ohioan made 10% more than the average American. And in 1970, Ohio had 24 congressmen, roughly 6% of congressional representation. In 1972, we put in that income tax. One tax after another, continued to raise it, one regulation after another, and we started driving businesses away. Fast forward to 2020. In 2020, Ohio went from 24 congressmen in 1970 to 15. No other state lost a larger percentage of representation than Ohio. Now, New York and Pennsylvania lost larger raw numbers, but no state lost a larger percentage. The Ohio economy went from the 12th largest in the world to the 24th largest in the world. We're still slightly larger than Morocco. And the average Ohioan made, went from making 10% more than the average American to 12% less. So our goal by eliminating this income tax, and we've already proven the concept, just by reducing it for the first time since 1940, Ohio is growing relative to the rest of the nation. And, and our goal, if we are successful, I'm sorry, when we are successful, <laughs> not just increase a congressman, I like to say our goal is $1 trillion and sixteen. What I mean by that, by 2030, we're going to grow economy, Ohio's economy from about $750 million in 2022 to a trillion dollars, and we're going to grow our congressional representation from 15 to 16. We haven't added a congressman since 1940, and a sports betting is now legal in Ohio. Bet on the over on that uh, on that 16th congressman. I do have to ask. So, since the 1970s, we've also had NAFTA and other free trade agreements that made it easier for companies to relocate. So, do you think that played a role in like loss of jobs, loss of people? Yeah, there's no doubt that did play a, a role, but that was more of an international role. If you look at those states in Ohio right now with zero or low income taxes, with fewer regulations, those are the states that since 1970 have been bringing population. Businesses are relocating the states where they can maximize their EBITDA or profit, if you will, and people are going to places where those jobs are available. Uh, people are, are looking for what's in the best interest of them. And it's not always the weather. 
you know, the states that are doing well, yeah, you got Florida and Texas with no income tax, but Tennessee, uh, Wyoming, Utah, there are a plethora of states, even even Indiana right next door Utah to has some pretty sweet weather and skiing. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that is true. That is true. Um, but even Indiana right next door, their tax rate, their business environment, much more friendlier than ours. And we have been losing businesses from Ohio to Indiana for years. We're going to stop that. I do want to give one counter example that I want to ask you about. So Oregon's top income bracket is more than double ours, coming in at nearly 9%. The state actually doesn't have sales tax. They've chosen an aggressive income tax policy. But they added a congressional seat in 2020. Yeah, but if you look at the U-Haul numbers for them, where uh, in the last three years ago, Ohio was the fifth most left state in America. Two years ago, we were the ninth most entered state. Last year, we were the 23rd most entered state. So we're keeping that trend up, and Oregon has uh, been losing, not nearly as bad as New York and California and Illinois and New Jersey. Those are the top most left states in America, not from an ideological perspective, but people leaving, and Oregon is in the top 10 now. As a former Oregonian, I need to tell you it's Oregon. Oh, but... thank you. Thank you. <laughs> that's all right. You do uh, have Starbucks, right? Yeah, that's Washington. <laughs> oh, I stand corrected. Yeah, they have Dutch Brothers coffee, which is amazing. <laughs> I still miss it. But I do want to ask, so Ohio takes in about $13 billion between the CAT tax, which is the commercial activities tax, which you also want to get rid of. So between that and the income tax, how do we replace that revenue? Because it's not pocket change. You you know, we have already proven this concept that as we lower taxes, business comes back. And guess what? Revenue to the state has gone up every single time we have reduced taxes. There's an amazing book. It's called Taxes Have Consequences, written by Arthur Laffer and a few other economists that shows from 1913 to 2020, since America, the United States, put in the income tax till 2020 when the book was written, 100% of the time, the federal government raised taxes, the goal of which was to bring more revenue into the federal government. Just the opposite happened government revenue went down. 100% of the time they significantly lowered taxes. Guess what? Revenue to the government went up. Four great presidents in my lifetime that significantly lowered taxes, two are Democrats, by the way, uh, John F. Kennedy and Bill Clinton, and the economy soared uh, under those presidents every time they lowered taxes. As we started to reduce the Ohio income tax, the exact same thing happened in Ohio. Revenues went up. We were sitting on an over $4 billion surplus in our rainy day fund at the end of the last budget. and um, It's so well, full you can't put more in it, actually, like well, legally, right? It's weird. Well over $2 billion of that came from the income tax because as businesses come back, as people come back, they're buying more, they're shopping here, uh, they're spending a lot more revenue here. One of the frustrating things, our budget Office of Budget Management cannot do any type of dynamic modeling only static modeling. So I think a large part of that deficit will be paid by uh, the growth that Ohio experiences. And if, let's say, it doesn't raise the $13 billion that we've lost, would you be open to raising the sales tax? So former Governor Kasich raised the sales tax when he put in some income tax cuts as governor. You know, I, I think I would be more open to putting some triggers in that said, if this doesn't do what we think it's going to do, if it doesn't pay for itself, that we would look at 
reinstating the income tax oh, okay. at a higher level. I, I think that would so be like a, a guardrail, a much safer route for us to do now. But also, if if you look at those states with no income tax, their unemployment and their participation rate are significantly superior to ours, and the amount of money they spend per capita on things like uh, Medicaid, on things like incarceration, are significantly lower. So I think if we have high-paying jobs in Ohio that anybody that is able-minded and able-bodied can take advantage of, uh, we can show them, you know, you can make a lot more money working than you can uh, staying home. Are you concerned at all about local governments raising taxes to make up for any losses? So essentially that my income tax savings would be eaten up by an increase in my property taxes. You, you know, the one thing to keep in mind, this will not impact local government's income tax at all. Not one iota. Those local governments that have an income tax, they can continue to do so. This will only impact state taxes. So as we put money into the state general revenue fund, part of that money does go back to local governments Through in, the in local various government ways. Fund. Yeah, although I think the biggest chunk of that would be uh, the capital budget, which um, mm-hmm. hopefully, coming up. Yeah, that's right. But but you know, um, if we if, if we continue this road of increasing revenues by lowering taxes, it won't impact local governments at all. And if in fact we're wrong and we have that trigger that would reinstate the income tax at the higher rate, uh, it'll keep our revenues um, neutral. So to make sure I understand the trigger correctly, we might do a step down. So maybe next year we see a 2.75 flat tax. Let's say that's what we do in the next budget. And then if that starts to bring in less over that biennium, that two years, then it might ratchet up to like a three. Is that kind of how that trigger might work? Conceptually, that's exactly right. What the details actually look like, we have to work right. on. But the yeah, exact that is, formula for it. That, yeah, that that is the concept. Okay, great. And that kind of answers my next question. So I did want to ask you about Kansas. So in 2012, Kansas's Republican governor Sam Brownback cut income taxes across the board. But then a few years later, members of his own party overrode him to reinstate, saying the promised growth didn't manifest and the cuts to essential services like education were far too big. How do we not end up like Kansas? Uh, you, you know, that's a great question. Thank you. We have had plenty of time to look at that. The one thing Kansas did, the big mistake they made that we have not made, they eliminated the t- tax overnight. We have been gradually reducing this tax for about 15 years, and we have proven the concept Businesses are coming back. Anna, everybody hears about the big guys. Amazon, Honda, Google, Ford, Intel, Intel. building the biggest chips factory in the galaxy right here in Ohio. But I'm more excited about the little guys. Since we have put in the business income deduction that says for all pass-through entities, their first $250,000 worth is tax-free. After that, they're capped at 3%. Was it, it wasn't too long ago they were paying 9.5%. Um, since we've done that, we've had almost a million new startups in Ohio in the last six years, more than the previous 25 years combined. So we have proven the concept. It's the big guys coming back and the little guys. And as long as we continue to do this gradually, we're not going to make the mistake that Kansas did. We also have one other unique advantage that Kansas doesn't have. If you look at advanced manufacturing, which I believe are the jobs of the future and the jobs 
we want Ohio to bring back. So we, like the chips factory for Intel. Th- that's a perfect example. We can financially dominate the country in two decades if we take advantage of the three things that are needed most for advanced manufacturing. One is human capital. Uh, we have challenges there. I think we're better situated than most states to take advantage of that. But two is water. No state in America has better water than Ohio. Maybe Michigan and Pennsylvania are equal, but nobody's better. But the third is access to cheap gas. And if you look at our natural gas reserves, if we can unleash unleash that, I said access to cheap gas, I meant access to cheap energy. If we can unleash our natural gas reserves, we can have the cheapest, cleanest energy in the country, and we will financially dominate the rest of the states in within 20 years. I don't want to get too into the tax weeds here, even though I could. Um, But Ohio actually has one of the lowest severance taxes in the country since you brought up oil and gas. And so for those who don't know, severance tax is what a state or a community charges for the extraction of a non-renewable resource. Basically, this is the price we want for taking the gas out, the minerals out. So over the years, there's been several attempts to legislate a higher severance tax. Is that something that you're maybe open to? You know, I would not be open to that on the surface, Uh, something we could certainly consider down the road. But in general, you want to tax that that you want to mitigate. You want to have lower taxes on that that you want to unleash. So by eliminating the income tax, we want to unleash higher wages for everybody. If we increase a severance tax on energy, that may actually have the opposite or unintended consequence of encouraging those providers to go to other states where they can operate in a more business-friendly manner. I believe that just the volume increase we can get off that energy without increasing the severance tax will bring in a significantly higher severance tax uh, as we Overall. continue yeah as we continue to 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 make that in- industry more viable. That was Republican Senator George Lang, one of the sponsors of a bill to eliminate the state's income tax. Thank you so much for your time today, Senator. Thanks, Ann, and have a wonderful day. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're talking with the head of Americans for Prosperity in Ohio about why he supports eliminating the income tax. That's when All Sides continues on 89.7 NPR News. This new year, LifeKit wants to help you succeed because everyone needs a little help being human. It can seem so overwhelming. You're not alone. Who can I commit to being? If you want to do something, then just do it. Just take that first step. Great advice every week. Listen to LifeKit from NPR. Welcome back to All Sides. I'm your host, Anna Staver. What would happen if Ohio eliminated state income taxes? Would you end up paying more in other taxes? Would you get big cuts to services like education? Or would the decision bring big companies to Ohio? New growth, new revenue. We're talking about income taxes this hour and the potential impacts of a Republican plan to eliminate them entirely by 2030. Joining me now to talk about why this might be the right choice for Ohio 
is the head of Ohio's chapter of Americans for Prosperity, Donovan O'Neill. Welcome to All Sides. Anna, happy to be here. I want to start with some of the other states that don't levy an income tax before we dive into Ohio. So nine states, for those who are curious, it's Alaska, Florida, Nevada, New Hampshire, South Dakota, Tennessee, Texas, Washington, and Wyoming. They do not levy state income taxes. And the obvious question, I think, when we compare ourselves to some of these states is, why should we be comparing ourselves to places with Disney World and Las Vegas? Yeah, well, you know, that's a that's a common question that that we, you know, folks will point out. So say, hey, the, you know, Florida's natural advantage is its weather. Um, you know, what I think we want to be looking at, though, is the overall economic index. One of the ways that our organization has sort of benchmarked um, uh, policymakers here in the state of Ohio as we work towards, you know, bolder, um, more transformative uh, policy reforms uh, we, we look at state rankings, right? So we look at freedom in the 50 states, rich states, poor states, even USA News and World Report, right? Put Ohio uh, middle in, of the pack, right? And things like inc- limiting the personal income tax would help Ohio break out of that uh, middle of the pack uh, position that it's in and create an opportunity of, uh, for job creators and for workers here, here in the Buckeye State. Um, So I want to ask you about Kansas, um, the state that eliminated and then reinstated its income tax. Uh, So this wasn't, you know, the Democrats took over in Kansas and they reinstated the income tax. This was Governor Sam Brownback's own party going against him, overriding his veto, saying, hey, the growth didn't materialize. These cuts to essential services are too big. I guess what what went wrong in Kansas and how do we not let it happen here? Well, yeah, I think what what went wrong in Kansas, and it's it's been a case study that I think folks who have been championing tax reform look at and have learned from, and continue, you know, to to avoid making those those same mistakes. And I think in the proposal that um, you know the House and Senate uh, members uh, have introduced in the past week to get us to a zero percent income tax, it's it's from those lessons learned, right? And part of that approach is uh, phasing it out over, over a, a window of, of years, you know, a five to 10 year period, this proposal has six years. Uh, it's also about, about, uh, curbing, restraining out of control government spending, right? Let's just not grow as fast as we, we probably have when it comes to government spending, uh, over the next few years. And then at the end of, and then eliminating tax expenditures, right? Making sure that, uh, you know, we're, we're not giving credits and deductions out there, um, but rather, we're collecting the revenue we need, and it's it's very easy to comply with, right? Bringing down the compliance costs, and then what I think we see, right, is the economic activity um, that comes with uh, reforms like this, having a zero percent income tax, being the tenth state in the nation, first in the Midwest to get it done. We're going to see a growth of economic activity that'll help build up other forms of tax revenue uh, here in the state. So. Colorado has a flat tax. I think Indiana has a flat tax um, where everyone pays the same percentage of their income, whether they earn 50 or $500,000 a year. Colorado especially has seen explosive growth in the last decade or two. Why is a flat tax not enough? Well, I think that's where we want to get to. Um, you know, we're down, we've gone from, I think, what was it nine brackets uh, with a top marginal rate of 5.421%. Um, just uh, 10 years ago, and we're down to two with a top marginal rate of 3.5%. I think it's about more than just um, getting to a flat tax. I think it's about thinking about the next several decades. You know, we're 50 years in 
um, as a state having levying a personal income tax here in Ohio. And I think what we want to be thinking about is how do we how do we get Ohio's economic outlook established for the next 50 years? And I think what we what we find eliminating the income tax is one of the ways to do that, to be able to compete in all 50 against the other 49 states in the union and uh, create an environment here to be that economic engine of the Midwest. So Policy Matters Ohio, who we're going to hear from in the next segment, but they make this argument that Ohio would need to raise its sales tax by about four percentage points to make up for the lost income tax revenue, giving us one of the highest sales tax rates of any state in the country. And that's probably just a one-to-one. So I assume you're going to tell me that that doesn't take into account new growth from cutting the income tax. But I mean, where do you come down on the idea that we might raise sales tax to balance the budget? Yeah, raising the sales tax is something that, you know, policymakers around Columbus have talked about, uh, you know, for years as, hey, if we're going to eliminate the income tax, we'd have to raise sales tax. Again, I'd go back to the simple formula of let's just let's rein in out of control, you know, spending. Um, by the way, Republicans have been been running the state and the House, the Senate and the governor's office for over a decade now. We continue to see growth in government. So I think we can rein in some of that that spending. Um, but we're going to see that made up without even raising the sales tax. We're going to see those revenues increase because of the economic activity. In just the last decade, for fact, we've we've seen general fund tax revenue. While we've cut those brackets, as I mentioned, uh, we've seen general fund tax revenue increase by nearly $8 billion in the last 10 years, last 10 fiscal years. Um, the growth occurs, right? It, it just bears out. You can go and see it. Um, through the Legislative Service Commission reports that general revenue grows. And uh, it's because people have more money in their pockets, right? They, they're they able to take their family up to the North Shore, visit Cedar Point, right? They're paying gas tax revenue for our roads, uh, and they're paying sales tax, right? That, that ends up in the state coffers and is distributed to fund important government programs that, that the state of Ohio has. So we're going to see that economic activity increase revenues in other areas uh, that um, will will not even require, I believe, an increase in the sales tax as policy matters would advocate for. So the last income tax in the budget passed last summer. So in June of 2023, we passed a two-year budget. It had some pretty big tax cuts in it. Um, and some of the analysis said that 20... So the top 20% of income earners in the state of Ohio received more than 85% of the $750 million cut. And Ohioans earning 75000 per year or less saw less than 1% of that money come back. How is that not a cut for the rich? Well, I think our goal, right, is to get all Ohioans paying the same rate, 0% income tax. And that's what the, the proposal by the House and the Senate uh, last week would do. Uh, I think something that's important to remember here, too, is what that top marginal rate is. Here in Ohio, the top marginal rate now is 92500 So when we're talking about you know the rich or the, the, those paying that top rate or seeing when that top rate comes down benefit from that uh you know that's that's a that's a police officer and a, a public school elementary teacher right that's a combined income there that's someone working as a as a police dispatcher and uh, their spouse is a is a real estate agent right we're not talking about um you know folks who um you know we're not talking about millionaires and billionaires here we're talking about real middle class ohioans who are in that top marginal bracket right now, 92,000 or over, paying 3.5% of their income. And that's what we wanna bring down. We wanna get it to where all Ohioans are paying the same rate of 0% and able to keep their hard-earned money in their pockets and spend it to 
stimulate Ohio's economy. I do want to ask about another stat. So Ohio ranks 37th in childhood poverty, with about 18 percent of children living below the federal poverty line. One of the questions I'm sure you get is, why not invest in policies to help those kids instead of cutting taxes? Well, I think what we've done over the last decade, right, is we've cut taxes and we've continued to invest, um, you know, in the state of Ohio in programs. I think, uh, you know, to the tune of a growth of $8 billion in in revenue um, for the state GRF, right, even as we've gone from nine brackets, the top margin rate of 5% to, you know, two brackets uh, with a top rate of 3.5%. What I think the, the conversation needs to be, in addition to charting that course on eliminating the personal income tax in the state of Ohio, is we need policymakers in the state house to do their jobs and really focus in on what the state of Ohio is best positioned to support, right? And, and the, the kinds of programs we need to do rather than what I think it is right now, which is basically a free-for-all, right? As the revenues keep coming in, they find new and different ways to spend that money. Um, uh, not all of it is uh, in the best public interest. And I think as we exhibit more fiscal restraint, um, if we put more money in people's pockets, uh, we're going to also need to have some serious conversations about what the state of Ohio should focus in on. Taking care of taking care of future generations of Ohioans uh, is certainly a worthwhile uh, conversation that uh, policymakers should be having. So I have a bit of an esoteric question for you. Um, I can't help myself with this one. So are you worried at all about inflation, this idea that cutting income taxes or cutting taxes generally can cause an inflationary rise in goods? So I'm basically kind of asking for your opinion on Keynesian, Keynesian economics in a roundabout way. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the biggest drivers of inflation, right, is just government spending. And we've got the government spending, you know, whether it's Washington, D.C. or Columbus, Ohio, um, there's just a lot of, 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 of revenue generated of tax dollars right out of people's paychecks and then spent by by state houses and, and, and the White House, uh, you know, across the country. So I think um, part of what we, you know, what we need to do is see that restraint in the government sector so that the the private sector right can can invest in its in its infrastructure invest in its businesses uh, folks can go out and start new businesses uh, we could see that economic growth occur that i think you know will help drive up wages uh drive up take home pay and uh, will ultimately result in a a more prosperous buckeye state I do want to get your take on, so there's some differences between the House and the Senate plans, right? One would try to get there by 2028. The other would try to get there by 2026. Um, both of them have the overarching goal of 2030. Uh, does it matter to you so much or is it kind of like whatever one they decide doing is okay by me? Yeah. So about a year ago, actually, we had uh, commissioned a, a study to sort of evaluate four different proposals. Your listeners can visit BuckeyeBlueprint.com if they want to download that study. Uh, we had commissioned that study through the Buckeye Institute and kind of evaluated, you know, a couple different ways to get there. At the end of the day, Anna, yeah, if we, you know, if we what we want to see is lawmakers set that marker, uh, you know, out there five to ten year window, set that marker and put this put this process in motion. And so, so long as uh, they do that, and then uh, we we hold them accountable to see that through over those over those years, uh, I think we're going to be in a lot better place as a, as a state. And uh, that's really what it comes down to is setting that setting that goal. Before you go, I want to give you an opportunity to make your elevator pitch. So tell me why we should eliminate the state income tax. Yeah, well, I think at the end of the day, uh, you know, you look at rich states, poor states, freedom in the 50 states, USA News and World Report, Ohio is consistently middle of the pack when it comes to economic rankings. 
despite the work that's been done over the past decade to uh, to improve Ohio's uh, economic climate, we need big, bold, transformative ideas if we're going to stand out uh, and break out of that middle of the pack mentality. Something like eliminating the personal income tax, right, which a number of states have already accomplished and others are on the trajectory to do. Getting it done and being the first in the Midwest will help move Ohio from middle and middle in the nation to number one in the nation when it comes to economic rankings. And so this is about setting Ohio up for the next 50 years and putting putting us on the map as being the 10th the state in the union to eliminate the income tax. That was Donovan O'Neill, state director of Americans for Prosperity, Ohio. Thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for having me, Anna. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're talking with Policy Matters Ohio about their reasons why we should keep the income tax. That's when All Sides continues on 89.7 NPR News. This new year, LifeKit wants to help you succeed because everyone needs a little help being human. It can seem so overwhelming. You're not alone. Who can I commit to being? If you want to do something, then just do it. Just take that first step. Great advice every week. Listen to LifeKit from NPR. Welcome back to All Sides. I'm your host, Anna Staver. What would happen if Ohio eliminated state income taxes? Would you end up paying more in sales taxes, getting a worse education for your children because of cuts to government services? Or would the decision bring big companies to Ohio, create new jobs, new growth, new revenue? We're talking income taxes this hour and the potential impacts of a Republican plan to eliminate them by 2030. Joining me now to talk about why this might be the wrong path for our state is Bailey Williams, tax policy researcher for Policy Matters Ohio. Welcome to All Sides. Hello, Anna. Nice to meet you. Glad to be here. Yeah. In the last segment, I asked the head of AFP Ohio about what happened in Kansas, uh, where Republican governor eliminated income tax, and then the Republican legislature came back a few years later and reinstituted, saying the growth didn't come, the cuts were too big. So they gave me some lessons that they said they've learned. What was your takeaway? Um, My takeaway was that it wasn't all that convincing. Um, sure, these tax cuts that are proposed here for Ohio are slightly different than how they were rolled out in Kansas. They were Ohio's proposed version is a little bit more protracted, um, it, phasing out the income tax. But there are factors that are still pretty similar to Kansas. Um, when Kansas did their income tax cuts, they uh, eliminated pass-through income for um, LLCs, S-corporations, businesses like that. Here in Ohio, we already do that. We already eliminated that um uh, taxation revenue uh, for, for uh, our general revenue fund and our cat tax. So we see metrics that are similar to Kansas's tax cuts um, that we can kind of see similar to this metric or this uh, proposal. And we, really, it could spell similar uh, outcomes here in the state as it did in Kansas. That's what I wanted to ask. So a lot of what Senator Lang and Donovan O'Neill from AFP said is that they believe Ohio would take in many billions more in just revenue generated from new growth, and that would cover the cost, perhaps even pay for this $13 billion cut outright. I take it you don't agree. No, I really do not agree with that take. 
If we look in Ohio, we've been cutting our income tax drastically for the last two decades. And based off several metrics compared to the country at large, Ohio is not seeing the type of economic growth that we that policymakers um, saying that these cuts will pay for themselves. We're not seeing that uh, economic activity growing here in the state. So also, what have we been doing instead? <laughs> great question. We've raised the uh, sales tax, a regressive tax that shifts more of that tax burden. We shift the tax burden in our income tax from wealthier Ohioans to lower income Ohioans when we increase our sales tax. So that's been our big kind of a big push that we've been doing over the last two decades is really just shifting the tax burden away from wealthier Ohioans and our income tax to lower earning Ohioans through a sales tax increase. What about property taxes? So property taxes, that's a very good, um, often uh, confusing area of taxation that Ohioans often uh, kind of forget about. But that's another realm of, uh, of, of taxation that we're possibly looking at um, lower revenues coming in. Um, we have a property tax committee study committee in the uh, in the state house right now that is looking at potential tax uh, property tax relief for Ohioans. So it's another area of revenue that we're potentially looking at lessening uh, or lowering our um, revenues for uh, this coming year. So really, um, if we're con- looking at continually cutting our revenue sources, we're going to have to cut spending at some point as well. Yeah, we cut the local government fund, uh, Governor Kasich did about a decade ago. Part of it was we were in a recession, budgets were really tight, but we have seen an increase in property taxes in response to the cut because a lot of the local government fund went to local governments, essentially. Um, So I do want to ask you, $13 billion, sometimes when we get into really big numbers in the billions, it's hard for people to sort of conceptualize what that means. So if we cut out $13 billion from our state budget, like, what kind of impact do you think that would have? Right. So that is that thirteen billion is more than the state spends in its entirety on K through twelve education. Um, that thirteen billion in total is roughly about forty to forty five percent of our total uh, tax revenue. So if we're cutting that, um, we're looking in whenever that income tax is finally repealed in about five or six years, looking at cutting. We have to balance our budget. We're looking at cutting spending. If there's no other tax revenue increases, we're looking at cutting spending about 45%. So imagine schools getting 45% less income or less of that tax revenue. Um, uh, environmental protections, Medicaid, all of those services that are provided by the state are going to have to see expansive and dramatic cuts. I want to shift our conversation towards other tax policies that Ohio could perhaps implement instead and those that are supported by Policy Matters. So as I said in the last segment, Ohio ranks 37th in the nation for child poverty. 18% of our kids live below the poverty line. Um, What about making a state version of the EITC? Right. So we already do have a version of the state of a earned income tax credit, um, but we can make it better. The current version is a non-refundable 30% of the federal EITC goes to Ohio tax filers um, against their state uh, tax returns. Um, we could make a bigger portion of that uh, refundable. We could make part part of it refundable. There is legislation currently pending in the state house that would make a part of it refundable so we can ensure that um, those with uh, less or almost no tax liability get the true value of that tax credit. We can also look at a child tax credit for families, um, you mentioned that families are, are childhood poverty rate in the state. Again, there's more legislation pending in the state house that would create a state version of a child tax credit. So if we're really talking about trying to get tax cuts for families that would benefit from them, we can use policies like the ITC or a state child tax credit that would actually put money back in those who need it the most. 
And for those who don't know, because I just kind of glossed over it, the EITC is a federal earned income tax credit. So it's refundable, meaning that if you're eligible for $1,000, but say you only pay $500 in taxes, you actually get that other $500 back. It's sort of like a gift from the federal government. Um, So you get the full value, even if you haven't paid that much in taxes. So Ohio lets you take the credit, but it doesn't let you get that extra money. So essentially what Bailey is arguing for is let's give them that extra money. Exactly. Little primer in the EITC. <laughs> um, so I also wanted to ask one of the analysis that you guys did that I found really interesting was you looked at the tax cuts that passed in the budget last year. So in June of 2023, we passed a budget, we eliminated another bracket, we dropped the top bracket for state income taxes down. And it looks like in your analysis that the top 20% of income earners took home about 85% of that $750 million. Right, right. And then that's exactly where it's gonna what we're gonna get if we see further income tax cuts. The income tax is our only progressive taxation method that we have in the state. It's the only one where the wealthier is based off your ability to pay. So the wealthier are gonna be paying a little bit more um, than lower earning um, Ohioans. So if we're cutting that tax that taxation back, it is the wealthier gonna benefit the most from that tax cut. They're gonna be paying less in taxation than uh lower earning Ohioans. So any any repeal is it, most of those benefits are going to be uh, captured by wealthier Ohioans. Yeah. What I found fascinating, I'm hoping you can kind of explain a little more, is that Policy Matters Ohio said that a family of three with the median income in the state, about $62,000, um, actually saw a slight increase in their overall tax burden as a result of the budget last year. Right. So um, there are a couple of, well, one, uh, there are inflation um, bracket indexing that was stripped out of the um, out of the tax, uh, out of the budget bill. So typically what's done is annually um, the tax brackets that are defined based for or your tax, that look at different tax rates for however uh, much tax, taxes you'll pay based off your income, that would shift based off inflation after each year. Um, so if you got a slight raise for to offset the cost of living, um, the tax brackets would shift up uh, in accordance with that. Um, you're not you're not getting more money in your pocket; just your uh, earning potential or your your purchasing power stays. I the gotcha. Same. So the brackets but, kind of move with inflation. So you're not you're not paying more. It's not like eating into that raise. Exactly. That is done away with now. So while it might look like Ohioans have more money in their pockets, they just have more money to offset that cost of living. But the tax, uh, the income tax is not taking that into consideration anymore. So it could bump uh, Ohioans up into a higher tax bracket, even though their purchasing power is staying the same. Oh, and that's where that 62000 family of three kind of right. comes in. That's where they can get pension. Yeah. So, I mean, we seem to be on the road at least to a flat tax. We have a Republican governor. We have a Republican legislature. And every budget for the last several budgets, we've cut a bracket. We've cut that top income tax rate. Um, what can you as policy matters do in a state that where it seems like everybody in leadership just disagrees? Well, we can um, inform them best about these uh, the implications and consequences of some of these policy choices. Um, how some of their uh, notions and ideas of how some of these cuts were supposed to play out, um, how they actually played out in practice. Um, the, the hopes that some of these families would have extra money in their pockets to spend and stimulate the economy, 
that's truly really not the case since most of these cuts are being benefited or going towards wealthy Ohioans who truly don't need that who aren't you don't need the extra money to make ends meet so really our job is as best we can do is to educate these policymakers to hopefully stop some of these regressive taxes that they keep pushing forward um, stop some of these bad tax cuts and instead try to propose some policies that actually benefit working class Ohioans. So supporters of this plan contend that it will make Ohio more competitive. And they point to companies like Intel, Amazon, Honda's expansion, saying that they think part of the reason they came is because we've really cut our income taxes, our corporate taxes. Um, is that the reason Intel's here? Uh, possibly. But one of the other reasons is we give them a large amount of tax uh, breaks in order for them to move here. Um, so I think it was like a billion dollars a billion in incentives. Dollars, yes. So, I mean, it's kind of hard to say no to those incentives. Um, there's very little guardrails also on those tax uh, on those tax breaks. So there's very little guarantee that Intel will or the state. There's very little guarantee that the state will force Intel to actually invest in the communities that they're coming in. Uh, that are, they're hi hiring Ohio workers and that they're that Ohioans will see a good benefiting uh, well-paying jobs here. So it, it's it's a high risk, high reward here, but uh, very low guarantees of, of uh, benefiting and paying off for Ohioans here. Yeah, I know one of the controversies about Intel is whether they're going to hire skilled foreign workers on, I think it's the HB1 visa versus hiring Ohioans. And there's this very large question about whether we have even enough skilled workers who are qualified for those jobs in the first place. Right. I mean, it could help us potentially um, help people move here to Ohio to obtain those jobs or to work those jobs. But there's no guarantee that they're staying here. Um, there's no guarantee that they're Ohio residents fully paying Ohio state income or state taxes. So it's a lot up in the air, a lot of guarantees and a lot of hopes for um, payoff that we haven't necessarily seen the benefits of yet. I want to talk about some of the other states that have no state income tax because some of them are doing very well. I mean, Florida did add a congressional, you know, seat. Texas is doing well. Um, Nevada is growing very quickly. And, you know, proponents po point to these states and say they're making it just fine. Sure. They they have their means of, of obtaining tax revenue. They have other methods. Um, so let's, we can look at those states that don't have income tax. We look at Florida. They have a they rely on a large amount of sales tax from their tourism industry. So, yeah, the weather's nice there. People like to vacation there. There's they, Disney World. Disney World. Exactly. People like to spend money there. So that works for them. Yeah. Uh, I actually have the specifics. I looked it up. So Florida tourism generates $8.1 billion annually in state tax revenue. That's that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. And I, I wish Ohio would, could generate that same amount, but people aren't vacationing here in Ohio like they do in Florida. So it's just an, a reality of, our, of the industries that make up uh, our states. We can look at Nevada. They have a large amount from, again, sales and casino revenue. Texas has a large amount of oil revenue. Um, so they have other methods of taxation and revenue building. So they don't necessarily have to rely on their income tax. We don't have a strong sole industry like that to uh, that we can rely for tax revenue. So it's it's it, it's good for us to, to have an income tax to uh, generate the, the revenue we need. Oh, I actually just got a note from my producer. Oh, she says Ohio is giving Intel more than two billion two in billion. state and local incentives. So, twice what I said it was. So it's two billion. Mm -hmm. uh, but I did want to ask you a little bit about some of the other states. So, like Tennessee, 
Washington, Wyoming. Like, these are not, I mean, no offense to Nashville, but it's not quite the tourism driver that perhaps Disney World is. How is Tennessee making it work? Um, They make it work with dramatically less in services. So we can look again at, if we look at Texas, Wyoming, Tennessee, Florida, those are all states that haven't expanded Medicaid. They're spending they're spending significantly less, even though the federal share was supposed to make up and cover a significant portion of that. Their residents have to go by with less in Medicaid services. So and that's that's typical across the board. Less environmental protections, um, worse education outcomes. These are pretty common across these states that have to rely on less revenue just because they have less revenue um, doesn't mean that they have better educational environmental health outcomes um, in their states. So one of the things that Senator Lang said might help make up some of the revenue is he talked about expanding oil and gas, specifically natural gas exploration here in the state, saying that we could get a lot more money if we did a lot more drilling. So, again, I don't want to take people too far into the tax weeds, but Ohio does have one of the lowest severance taxes, which is the tax that we pay for extraction or that companies pay. So what do you make of the idea that we can make up a lot of this money with natural gas. Um, and I, hearing that conversation with Senator Lang, you had mentioned that we had, or Governor Kasich had proposed raising that severance tax. Um, really, During the it, boom in like the 2010s. Exactly. And partially to um, offset cuts in the income tax. However, um, the, the natural gas lobby here is very influential, very powerful, and was able to push back on a lot of those cuts. Um, I would like to see an increase in the severance tax. Um, I know Gov- or, uh, Senator Lang was concerned about cuts in production, um, however, balancing the need for environmental protections and making sure that uh, Ohioans are protected, th- that we is, we're not too far removed from wa- seeing Ohioans light their gas or their water fossils on fire from uh, leaks in natural gas. So ensuring that it's done pro- or, uh, safely while still producing enough uh, amount of energy that Ohioans can rely on, we can do that while also uh, having this be a reliable form of tax revenue. That was Bailey Williams, a tax policy researcher for Policy Matters Ohio. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Anna. Thank you. And thanks for listening to All Sides with Anna Staver. If you missed part of the show or are curious about other shows we've done recently, search for All Sides in Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.